Hello and welcome back to Crimes from the East. I'm your host, Pia, and with me is Alex. Hello, Alex. Hello, Pia. You sound like you've been there and back again. A true crime podcaster's story. No, tale. What is it? Hobbit's tale. <laughs> I actually left uh, my state after, I don't know, yeah. like three years. I went out. I took... <laughs> A plane ride. Oh, my God. I felt like a cave woman coming out of like the Stone Age or something. I felt so awkward and out of place traveling. Oh, by the way, I went to CrimeCon Las Vegas. Yeah. Criminal cum. That's what we're talking about. Um, And I went by myself. Yeah, I went all by myself, which was also something new to yeah. me because I haven't done that in forever. How was the con? I mean, for those who didn't see your pizza eating adventures and and everything. I took a bunch of videos and posted on my Instagram back then. But yeah, for all of those who missed, CrimeCon is basically a convention of true crime content and content creators. So all kinds of documentary makers, TV hosts of true crime shows, uh, podcasters, tons of podcasters. And of course, all the people who listen to and consume this content. So it was freaking amazing it was great there were around 5,000 people wow. at this convention wild what was your like what was the your favorite thing that you saw or most interesting uh, the event I went to or the speakers that I saw were all amazing okay. so I, I don't think I could say my favorite but yes I was very glad to see scientists forensic pathologists uh, there were lawyers there were medical examiners so Dr. Henry Lee, who is like so cool, he spoke and I loved his his event. It was so great. Dr. Henry Lee okay. has his own show on all these channels. Uh, I think it's called Trace Evidence. Um, there was also a presentation by the families of Abby and Libby, who are the two girls that were murdered, unfortunately. Right, in yeah. Delphi almost Damn. five years ago, and the killer is not yet caught. So their family was there to ask for help, ask for tips. Really? Oh my gosh, that's intense. Yes. Paul Holds was there, who's, mm -hmm. you know, very famous in the true crime circles now because he's written books and appeared on a bunch of TV shows and, and also has his own podcast now. It was interesting to see tidbits that they shared about the case and about the girls. Mm-hmm. They really wanted to make sure that Abby and Libby were remembered for who they were and not how they were found. And so they shared a lot of little bits about their lives. And both of them were actually very interested in forensics and investigations. They were kind of little true crime junkies in the making almost. Okay. Yeah. Which which was so endearing to hear because, you know, a lot of us grew up like that, right? We were always yeah. curious and always asking questions. But yeah, I really hope tips go in and they're able to find this stupid well not stupid but this evil monster that's like so interesting that people who are like family of victims come to that convention though because i feel like it would be hard to go because so many people are there you know what i mean like it would just be kind of mm, yes a, an interesting environment like people who are interested in the crime as yeah I don't know how to explain this right, but a lot of people treat this as pure entertainment, right. which it is not. These are real people, real victims, real families who are affected by it for the rest of their lives. It never ends. There's no closure, right? So, so you have to be respectful and mindful of, mm -hmm. of that fact. 
when you talk about it on any kind of show or podcast or whatever, there's no glee to be gained from listening to like gory details or treating the victims with any kind of disrespect or mockery or anything, right? And that's that's the responsibility Mm -hmm. of the content creator to make sure that they treat the subject with respect. And I hope we've done that so far and we will always have that as our end goal. For sure. Yeah. It was amazing to hear from and see families of victims and survivors, you know, their perspective, their feelings and what they go through. Kim Goldman was there, who was the Mm -hmm. sister of Ron Goldman, who was the second victim of O.J. Simpson. She spoke about that a lot, about victims and survivors and families, how they deal with it, what they go through and what they would like to see from people who approach them. Right. Yeah. I also went to an event where there was John Ramsey, the father of John Benet Ramsey. Oh, eek. That's interesting. He was there to garner support for a petition that the family has put forward to have the DNA evidence tested by an outside agency because the Boulder police Why? The agency is refusing to test it. They have DNA. They don't want to test it. They've got their reasons. It seems like the Boulder police just a horrible job of botching up the investigation. Yeah. The murder of that little girl. I think she was six. It's crazy. It's been almost 30 years now and there's no movement in the case whatsoever. And they have evidence which they are not testing. And so he was there to push for the testing. Especially for how sort of, um, what's the word? Scandalized that, not scandalized, but how like publicized that story was. It's kind of crazy that they never really got anywhere with it. I don't think anyone in the U.S. at least is alive right now and doesn't know about this case. Right. Yeah, exactly. It was so ubiquitous in all kinds of media and pop culture, really. It's baked Mm -hmm. into American culture at this point. So, yeah, I saw a bunch of speakers at CrimeCon. It was amazing. I met met so many podcasters. Jessica from Asian Madness. Mike from... Dark Poutine, uh, who I've listened to for years. I even won a book written by Mike. Nice. Murders and Mayhem. And I won that book. I will be reading it soon and maybe putting up a review. I met uh, Nick and the Captain from True Crime Garage. Robin Warder from The Trail Went Cold. And I found a couple of podcasts that I hadn't listened to before, but now I'm excited to hear one of them is I Said Goddamn, which is hilarious. The two hosts were there and they were yeah. so fun. And they had the same kind of vibe that we do. Like I met the host of Fruit Loops, which is a podcast that covers black serial killers or serial killers oh, of color, basically. That's cool. Apparently there's a lot because they cover cases from all over the world, mostly right. U.S., but also international cases. I suggested a few from India. I was like, hey, 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 we've got a bunch of serial killers in India you want to cover. That'd be fun. It's an amazing podcast. Go listen. It's called Fruit Loops. Interesting name. All right. And the best part, the best part about this whole crime con thing. I didn't get COVID. Whoa. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you. I can't believe it. (laughs) I was so certain that I was going to get COVID because you can't be in the midst of 5,000 people and not get sick. You think. I don't know what happened. I don't know what deity, God, alien, ghost, whatever was protecting me this whole time, but I didn't get COVID. Yeah, that's amazing. 
<laughs> um, I completely lost my voice two weeks ago, one week ago. But it wasn't COVID. It was just oh. another thing. But yeah, it's a miracle. It's a good thing we didn't have to record last week. Praise be to the universe. Thank you. Thank you, Shiva Gandhi. Okay, so that was a long chat. Speaking of praising the Lord, what are we talking about today? Today is not true crime. Well, there's maybe some crime, but it's really not one of those um, bloody episodes. We are doing an ooky spooky one. Ooky well, it's spooks. not even that ooky spooky. It's just uh, mysterious, strange, a little esoteric, um, but also ancient. All Ooh. of the things I love. Yes. I've named this episode Chamber of Secrets, the Padmanabha Swami Temple. <laughs> <laughs> cool. This is like our own little version of Uncharted. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Indiana Jones, more like yeah. India Jones. <laughs> Indiana Jones in India. Uh, okay, so today we dip on down to one of the favorite states that I talk about a lot. One of my favorite states in India, which I've never been to. Kerala. We're going back down to Kerala. Kerala. Yeah, we've uh, been here a couple times before. They got good police down there. Yeah, right? good police. Good police. Good food. Beautiful landscape, rich cuisine, culture, and friendly people. So yeah, I'm a fan of Kerala. I hope to visit it someday. Alex, you've been there, so you know. Yeah, I have. Yeah, it was cool. It was awesome. I'm going to take you exploring the mysterious ancient temple of Padmanabha Swami. <laughs> That's a mouthful. Padmanabha Swami. In Tiruvananthapuram, Kerala. Okay. And many of you have probably heard about this famous temple, especially back in 2011 when it was all over the news because some secret chambers under the temple were opened and a treasure worth 22 billion US dollars was discovered hidden what? for centuries. Yeah, yeah. God damn, that's a lot of money for 2011. That's a fun find. 22 billion in 2011 is probably worth like 50 billion right now. It's <laughs> <laughs> one hell of a thrift store find. And uh, I thought that for once, let's not talk about the poverty and struggles in India. Let's let's talk about the riches that once were. Yeah, I like that. That are stolen and some hidden away in this land where gold was and still is considered sacred. So it's all about that Sona. Mm. Lots of Sona talk in this episode. Sona. And I know you've actually been to this temple, Alex. And we can talk about that a little bit later. Oh my god, I have to remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll make you remember, don't you worry. There are roughly 2 million and counting temples in India, by the way. So Damn. if it isn't at least a thousand years old, graze it, put a parking lot, I don't care. What? Nah, come on. <laughs> Even something that's like 300 years old is pretty cool. I mean, not in India. 300 years is like a blink. True. It's quite relative. In the, you know, history of the country. It's new. It's like brand spanking new. Yeah. And the newer temples are so garish and they barely have any architectural beauty mm. at all. So I don't hate them or anything. I just, you know, it doesn't catch my fancy. Right. It doesn't have that same wow factor. I have a listener activity for this episode. Oh, okay. Count how many times I say the name Padmanabha Swami or Padmanabha <laughs> 
in this episode. <laughs> Message me on Instagram or you can email me too. The winner was going to get some cool prizes, maybe stickers. And this is open to US and India. Bonus points if you can say it yourself. So, like I said, newer temples, they're okay. Nothing too special. But in sharp contrast, the temples that are ancient were built with delicacy and they had nearly genius architectural expertise to build them. They were thoughtfully adorned with beautiful carvings, which are not only cool to look at, but also contain a wealth of ancient knowledge. So temples used to be a place to worship and learn. People would come there with their children. So they had all kinds of stuff carved into the temples, like knots, how to make knots. Basically, life lessons were carved into the temple. Yeah. You don't see that in modern temples at all, where everything is just for decoration. You can see QR codes sometimes, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess times have changed. The reason that these old temples are special and made so well is because they were sponsored by the local kings of the region. Kings had the wealth and the manpower to get it done right. And the artisans who worked on the construction of these temples, they were masters in their art form. Today, sadly, stonemasons, sculptors, painters, weavers, and other artisans, they struggle to make a living. And most will not be able to pass on the art form to the next generation because they cannot make a living off of it. That's crazy. That's so worrying. Thanks, globalization, again. Try to support your local communities. Seek out indigenous artisans at fairs and exhibitions and support their art forms. Don't haggle. Pay the price. Pay whatever they're asking for it because it's, it's an ancient skill that they have maintained for thousands of years. Let's get to the meat of the story, shall we? Yeah, what did we find? What's this $20 billion booty? Yeah, what the hell is so special about this Padmanabha Swami temple? It is spectacular. It is spiritually blessed. It is famous among its devotees and it has deep ancient roots. Yes, yes, all of that. But also, there is a rumor that the temple has secret chambers underneath it, which hold an untold amount of wealth and riches. And somewhere along the line of like $500 billion to a trillion dollars. So I'm not talking short change here. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a pretty penny. Maybe, perhaps. There's also a deadly curse that will destroy the world if the secret chambers are opened. That's the catch. <laughs> I love that. Get it. You game, Alex? You ready to open these chambers? Let's do it. I want to see what you got. Okay, let's go over the history of this temple. The Padmanabha Swami Temple. Padmanabha Swami. The Padmanabha Swami Temple has a hundred foot high seven tiered roof, or Gopuram as it's called, which is completely plated in gold. Yes, <laughs> it is plated in gold. I do finally remember this temple. I think I had to like buy special clothes to go in there. That is right. As per the current rules, only people who were either born Hindu or adapted Hinduism into their lives can enter this temple. Pilgrims only. Or believers only. Believers only. And of course, you have to conform to their dress code. Men have to wear kind of a wrap around their waist. No shirts. You have to go bare chested. And women have to wear a sari to go inside. Yeah. So the temple's deity or god is Padmanabha Swami. 
aka Lord Vishnu. This is the laying down Vishnu, right? Yes, that's right. Haha. <laughs> Lord Vishnu is one of the three main gods in the sacred Hindu trinity. And the Padmanabha Swami temple as it stands today is actually not that old at all. <laughs> it was built in the 1700s by the royal family of Travancore at that time. Now, King Anizam Tirunal Marathanda Varma. Oh, yeah. Just that guy. Just that guy. He ceremoniously handed over his kingdom of Travancore to the divine deity Padmanabha Swami in 1750 and declared himself and his family as servants of the Lord. That's the modern history of the temple. Okay. Which is pretty meh as far as like ancient Indian monuments go. 300 years, not that old. Like I said, right. what's so special? You're not impressed. As is with most ancient sites of worship, there existed an older structure that kept getting destroyed by wars and natural causes and then rebuilt over the centuries. So there was a Padmanabha Swami temple before this one. And mentions of this temple exists in texts from as early as the 8th century. That's like 1200 odd years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty good. We're getting there. Starting to catch my attention. <laughs> 1400 years old. Yeah. So around that time, what was going on in the world? Let me give you a little snippet. Paint us a picture. <laughs> yeah, there was turmoil all over the place. There were wars and battles being fought everywhere. Territorial, cultural, and religious invasions were taking place. So different from now. <laughs> At least we have... Toilets. We have Instagram and TikTok now. <laughs> and toilets. Yes. Inside toilets. The Vikings were pretty lit during this era, and they were setting sail all over Europe, spreading their claim... They established the city of Dublin in Ireland during Ooh, this time. Cool. Ireland's old. Or Dublin's old. Who knew? The 233-foot-tall Lishan Buddha was carved out of a cliff in China in this time. Shortly after which, though, Buddhism was banned all over China by the Tang <laughs> Dynasty. So, Oh, all the way back then. I guess certain di dynasties in China were not having it. Mm-mm. It probably posed a pretty interesting threat to their own deal. And that's fine. Things like that happen all over the world. Chinese alchemists did invent gunpowder during this century. Wow. And forever changed the art of warfare on the planet. So thanks, China. Thanks. Thanks, China. <laughs> Sometime during this chaotic century, the older version of the Padmanabha Swami temple was apparently built somewhere around Tiruvananthapuram. And I say apparently because the actual factual integrity of the temple cannot be established, right? I, I can't say for sure that it was yeah. made in this time and where it existed. We can only rely on interpretations of ancient texts, poems, and holy scriptures from that period. Was it supposed to be in the same site that it is currently? I don't think so. I don't think mm -hmm. it was at that okay. same exact site. It was just yeah. in that general area. Okay. You know, like all old ancient things, there's like a backstory or like an origin story of why the temple was built. Oh, yeah. Hit me. Things are going to get a little crazy, so hang on. Okay. So the story goes like this. An ancient learned sage meditated for months 
requesting for a divine visit from Lord Vishnu. And the loving Lord Vishnu appeared to him, but in the form of a young boy, as a test. That boy started to mess around the sage's home, breaking stuff and touching things he wasn't supposed to. Classic Vishnu move. Oh man, uh, this happens in my home every day. <laughs> the sage got really angry and he shooed the boy away. He's like, get out of here, get out of here, you menace. <laughs> but as he was leaving, that strange boy cryptically said that if the sage ever wanted to find him again, to come find him in the eternal forest. Okay. And the sage was like, wait a minute, what? That's a strange thing for a little boy to say to me. Yeah. He suddenly realized that he had made a boo-boo. And that was <laughs> Lord Vishnu. <laughs> so he went looking for the boy for many a year. And he finally found him in that eternal or endless forest. Somewhere in the Tiruvananthapuram area. When he finally found the boy, the boy ran and merged into a huge tree. Okay? Okay. Damn, trippy. The form of the boy kind of spliced into the tree. Okay. And that tree then fell and from the tree emerged that Padmanabha Swami form, which is the sleeping Vishnu. Okay. Okay? <laughs> Are you with me uh, so far? I mean, yeah, I guess so. Seems like a lot of like effort. <laughs> I don't know. It seems like there are a lot of steps happening here. It sounds like some good mushrooms. <laughs> we can't pretend to know the, the reasoning behind divine antics. So Padmanabha Swami is Vishnu peacefully sleeping for eternity. That's what that form is. He's sleeping okay. for eternity. He ain't getting up. What a life. He's sleeping under the watchful eye of the five-headed cobra, Anantanag. Mm -hmm. Anant, again, means endless. So endless nag, snake, cobra. And from Vishnu's belly arises a stem of the lotus flower floating in the air. And on that lotus flower sits Lord Brahma, who is considered the creator of the universe. Right. So the sleeping Vishnu Lord's right arm rests on a Shiva Linga. Mm -hmm. So in this form of Padmanabha Swami, all three gods of the Hindu triumvirate can be seen. You yeah. have Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva. Super cool. Which is creation, conservation, and destruction. Destruction. Destruccione. It's just like, it's so Oof. intricate. It's lit. It's like a kaleidoscope of... Divine action happening. Mm -hmm. Hindu epics and mythologies would make the most awesome fantasy movies, don't you think? Like the Marvel Universe would look so lame compared to this. Yeah, like that needs to be a thing. I want like a Rick and Morty series of, of like the Hindu mythology. I think people don't really do this stuff because a lot of these, uh, you know, religiously charged groups will suddenly take offense and like react in violent ways which is terrible. what a shame it's just terrible because there's so much in the mythology that can be explored in this way like make some amazing movies make a tv show it's so cool it's counterintuitive because if you made it something cool like that it would actually reach more people you know but maybe that's not what hinduism wants maybe it wants to be exclusive somehow <laughs> only exclusive to like three billion people <laughs> So, you know, I mean, I'm not praying to any gods. 
I still think they're really cool. I, I see some value in the stories and the lessons that are in those ancient texts. I uh, had a tarot reading done last week. And within my reading was a message or something saying that I needed to like start doing some sort of prayer in life and that I should access my traditions. Mm. <laughs> so I need to get some like pujas going, I guess. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So this is almost like divine intervention for you, Alex. <laughs> okay. Lord Vishnu's calling. Yeah. Take that call, Alex. Okay, we're just kidding. Okay. One thing that that I like about the story is just imagining in India before it got like so overpopulated where there were seemingly endless forests and just wild, you know, untouched natural places tigers everywhere like it must have been terrifying and a huge pain in the ass if you were human but i bet it was cool too like so pretty yeah there must have been tons of wolves and lions and tigers and jaguars and cobras all over the place if you lasted beyond like 30 you were probably given some kind of medal you're a tough guy or gal tough one okay cool so sometime in 1750, the king of Travancore, who made this new temple, he transferred most, if not all, of his wealth and riches into the new temple's vaults. And he entrusted it symbolically in the care of Lord okay. Vishnu. Now, was this truly a pure gesture of sacrifice and atonement? Or was it perhaps a clever means of concealing the vast wealth from outside influences? Like the British East India Company, which was now slowly gaining power all over the country. Mm. The colonial white devils are coming into the picture, people. Colonial white devs were around the corner. Such a turning point, the like subcontinent's history. <laughs> the colonial devs were annexing one princely state after the next under their control. So could these hidden chambers be the reason why the incredible treasure has lasted till today while those of the other annexed kingdoms were, they're gone, they're vanished, they were stolen. Yeah, they're not gone. They're just in white colonial circulation. <laughs> exactly. Stolen, stolen yeah. is the right word. The Travancore Kingdom of Tiruvananthapuram and Kochi and Kanyakumari even, while obviously enormously affluent, were by no means the richest in the Indian subcontinent, mm -hmm. okay? So just think about that. Just imagine all the gold and jewels that were inside of the Indian continent at one point. This is just one tiny kingdom. Right. Okay, one tiny kingdom. Freaking loaded. All the riches were shamelessly stolen. Stacks on stacks. And the gross transfer of wealth took place over those 300 years. And now UK is a first world nation while India just struggles as she develops. It's okay. Her time will come. The Kohinoor diamond in Queen mm -hmm. Elizabeth's crown. Indian. Is a stolen asset. Stolen from a 10-year-old Indian boy king. Okay. So she be wearing fenced goods. She jacked it. Shame on you, queen. Have some decency, girlfriend. Turn your shit. 
And they stole curry from us. <laughs> yeah, okay, I think we got our quota of okay. white devil bashing. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> all good, all good, all good. Okay, let's get on with the tale of how the temple vaults came to be opened. Kulja Simsim. Kulja Simsim. What is that from? Remember in Aladdin, he says, open sesame? Or, or is that Alibaba? No, it's, it's both. Both have it. Yeah, so Kulja Simsim means open Simsim. That's kind of like what might have happened when they opened these vaults. So the temple was administered by a trust on the behalf of the Travancore royal family. This is because deities or gods can actually own property in India. Just like corporations are people in the U.S., Mm -hmm. gods are people in India. And the law treats them as minors, so they must be represented by an official guardian. And at the Padmanabha Swami temple, the Maharaja, or the family, of Travancore is the custodian. Of the god. Of the god and the temple and everything that's in it. And so they are free to do with the assets as they please. Nobody really had oversight or the nerve to ask questions this whole time, right? It's the king. Who's going to question the king? In 1947, when India gained independence, most, if not all, of these princely states seceded into the republic. They gave up their their titles and they joined the democratic nation. However, in the eyes and minds of the local people, this is still a royal family. Even now, even today, the members of that family are con- are referred to as Raja, as king. Although they don't have any powers anymore. Mm. Okay, so what happened is a local lawyer in Tiruvananthapuram, ironically, this lawyer is named Ananda Padmanabha. Okay, any relation? Okay. No, not really. He, he enters our story sometime in 2007. Mm. So Mr. Anand had heard of and read many urban legends and old accounts of how the old kings in the region would weigh their princes in gold and donate that gold to the temple on special occasions. So he knew that there must have been an insane amount of gold hidden somewhere in the temple. He was very worried that it was all unaccounted for and thus was probably being stolen right under mm-hmm. everyone's noses. Because if it doesn't exist, you can't officially steal it, right? <laughs> sure. There's no list. There's no inventory that tells you what's in there. So Anand Padmanabha seemed to be quite concerned with this lapse in security in the temple as he had heard tales from employees who had worked mm-hmm. there for decades. He heard from them how ancient temple artifacts were slowly and frequently going missing. One day, one necklace from the idol of the gods is missing. One day, a ring is missing. So this is what he's hearing, and it's troubling him. One such employee, also ironically named Padmanabha. We need to get more creative with our names here, people. Told him a a story. This key witness said, that he had seen some men taking away gold lamps used in temple ceremonies. These are ancient artifacts, okay? These are old gold lamps. When he questioned these men, they said they were taking the lamps to Puttam Palace, which is the palace where the royal family lives. Basically, that was said to make him shut up, because who's going to question again? Who's going to question what the king's doing? Das was later beaten up by these men, and they threw acid on him. causing him grievous injury. Jeez. He suffered for months. He was alive, thankfully. Oh, that's got to be one of the worst things I can imagine. Yeah, but see how how far they went to shut him up. 
This is why there's no Rick and Morty of the Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> yeah. Hearing all of these stories over the years, Mr. Anand Padmanabha was worried and he, he thought he's got to do something. So he filed a case in court in 2007 to have the temple financially audited. Usually state and religion don't mix. They stay away from each other. Yeah. They, you know, <laughs> they don't try to cross each other's paths. But if someone files a petition, now, now judiciary has an excuse to look in. Joining him in this legal battle or petition was his uncle, a retired IPS, which is police mm -hmm. services, an intelligence bureau officer, Mr. Sundarajan. Mr. Sundarajan by this point was in his 70s, but he was, again, very much devoted to the temple, to the deity, and concerned about the wealth that was in the temple. He was friends with the older king, the previous king. The current king was the younger brother of that, that older king, and he wasn't friendly with that guy. So he was concerned, maybe, that the younger brother was kind of dipping okay. in yeah. the treasure. Gotcha. They raised concerns about the mismanagement or concealment of wealth, basically a kind of tax evasion or financial corruption, which gave the courts enough ground to take a look. The high court ordered a survey of the temple and a full assessment of the assets contained in any possible secret hidden chambers in the temple. There was no official record of these chambers. So the court was like, first find the chambers and then if you find something there, make a list. After a brief survey, which would have been like five minutes of walking down the temple and being like, oh, wait a minute, there are secret chambers here. They're right here. They're gates. <laughs> we just never publicly talk about it. What they just like no one ever went in. Okay, so temples are usually closed off. The inner sanctums of the temples are not accessible to the public. So only employees who work there and the priests who work there know about these things. Right. So, of course, people who worked mm -hmm. there knew about it. But officially, publicly, yeah. it was not okay. told to everyone that there are six chambers. So there were six chambers labeled A through F. They led 20 feet under the temple. Let me show you a little map. Right. So there's a kind of a courtyard system around the main inner sanctum where the 18-foot-long Padmanabha Swami idol is kept. Mm -hmm. And these chambers are... 20 feet below the idol. So you have to walk down from certain gates and there you would okay. find these chambers hidden. There have always been urban legends and rumors about what was contained in these supposed secret hidden chambers. I'm sure some of these chambers were opened over those last hundred of years, but there's no official record when they were open, what was taken out and what was left in. We can just assume some of it is already long gone. Right, yeah. 2008, chambers C and D were opened and treasures worth tens of millions of dollars was unearthed. A bow and arrow made of gold. A golden umbrella and golden elephants were among some of the priceless artifacts found in chambers C and D. Wow. The auditors noted that it appeared as if some of the items were fakes made of brass which means someone had carefully put them there in place of the real gold stuff i mean if it's just hiding in a hole <laughs> love it i'm into it clearly someone was double dipping in this vault now and then there was some kind of theft going on sounds like cool stuff though 
these are all artifacts that were made. And these are not like tiny, tiny bows and arrows for ants. They are made life size. They were supposed to be adorned on that 18 foot okay, Vishnu I idol. See. They would dress up the Vishnu idol in all kinds of finery during special festivals. So they made a bow and arrow in gold, an umbrella in gold for that 18-foot Vishnu idol. So after 2008, after CND were opened, the court cases were battling on, raging on. The royal family and Mr. Padmanabha were butting heads in court, trying to get more chambers opened. And in 2011, finally, another team was put together to try and open two more chambers, chambers A and B. Curiously, what they found is that above the door to chamber A, there was an embossed figure of a cobra. Okay. So the snake room, they open it and it's just full of snakes. Omen? A warning? Who knows? The general configuration of each chamber was the same. There was a metal grill door. After that, there was a thick wooden door. Both were locked with multiple ornate lock systems. The keys to these locks were with the trust members and the royal family of Travancore. They had the keys. But to the surprise of the team, in Vault B, they encountered a third door. A surprise! There's another door. It's made of solid iron. Solid iron door. Damn. This proved to be a huge task for the avid treasure hunters because they couldn't figure out how to open this thing. There's no keyhole. There's no nothing to wedge in tools and try to pry it open. It's just one solid iron door. So they left it as is and they went on to open chamber A. Here's where I'm going to mention our main source for today. There is an article in The New Yorker written by a journalist called Jake Halpern, who has written an amazing long-form article on this temple, its history, and what happened so far. I highly recommend anyone who enjoys reading long-form articles to go read this thing. I will put a link on the website. Go read it. It's amazing. So I'm going to quote Jake Halpern. He writes, They unlocked two outer doors, one of metal, the other of wood. They entered a small room with a huge rectangular slab on the floor, like a toppled tombstone. It took five men more than 30 minutes to move that stone slab. Beneath it, they found a narrow pitch black passage, barely wide enough for an adult to walk through, leading down a short flight of steps. Well, back then, a normal-sized adult was probably small, right? (laughs) All of this imagery is so like Indiana Jones or Uncharted or Lara Croft and dark dungeons under the temple unopened for centuries. Well, opened a few times by thieves. One of the auditors said, as I looked into the darkened vault, what I saw looked like stars glittering in a night sky when there is no moon. Diamonds and gems were sparkling, reflecting what little light there was. Much of the wealth had originally been stored in wooden boxes, but with time, the boxes had cracked and turned into dust. And so all the gems and gold were just sitting in piles on the dusty oh floor. Oh my God. Oh, so fun. Can you just hear the like little spiral ding, 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 ding sound? 
Oh my god, this just reminded me of uh, Uncle Scrooge's uh, silo full of gold coins. <sighs> yeah. Ah. DuckTales. There's just something so fun about a big pile of shiny stones. Gems. Yeah. There were countless gold rings, bangles, pendants, most encrusted with gems. There were gold chains studded with jewels, 18 feet long necklaces wow. to adorn the main idol of Vishnu. Like oversized, not just life-sized, but like larger than life-sized. That's wild. He said that coin experts estimated the vault held approximately 100,000 gold coins, spanning centuries of trade with Roman, Napoleonic, Mughal, and Dutch communities. He also described seeing a set of solid gold body armor known as Angi, built to adorn the main idol of Vishnu. Damn. So solid gold body armor for that huge idol of Vishnu. My God. He's got quite the dress-up closet. Can you imagine that idol dressed up in everything we've heard of so far? Damn. I bet he looked freaking amazing. <laughs> the vault also contained loose diamonds, rubies, emeralds, and other precious stones. The most impressive gems were the large diamonds, some of which were 110 carats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't mean like, nah, nah, what's up, doc? Not those carrots. Diamond carrots. These diamonds were like the size of a large thumb, so Oof, that damn. big. Size of your eyeball. The archaeologists and gemologists estimated that one of the small solid gold idols of Vishnu that they found, it was encrusted in hundreds of gems, mm -hmm. was worth $30 million. <laughs> just one small idol. A tiny, you know, tiny. Yeah, just nothing. Like, can't use it for anything. Not good for anything. $30 million. That's, that's just, like, the world. Love it. This was, of course, that $22 billion treasure. Right. Everything I've just mm -hmm. described. This was that $22 billion treasure that made headlines all over the world. So just imagining this treasure just puts me in a state of trance. I'm, like, dreaming and fantasizing, <laughs> like, wow, it's so beautiful, all these things. It makes me feel good because it's a part of India that was erased from our memories. Right. Yeah. Like I said before, this was just one small kingdom. And there are lots of these. Mm -hmm. One small kingdom had this much goddamn treasure with it. <laughs> just imagine what else was in the country. I mean. And then rage about the colonial white elves. I want more banana varieties in my life. <laughs> After much trial and error, Vault B was abandoned because they couldn't figure out how to open it. Uh, how had the builders of this vault sealed this door? No idea. No idea. Aliens. There seemed to be some kind of secret mechanism to opening it, which the auditors were not aware of. So they just let it go. Alien technology. Do, 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 do. <laughs> they didn't just give up because they got tired. This whole time, the Travancore royal family and all the other religious bodies of that temple were opposing all of this activity. They didn't want the vaults to be opened. They started to cite local lores or myths that Vault B is cursed and that it will destroy the town, if not the whole world. 
upon being opened. <laughs> I love what these like rich guys come up with. Oh, you know, the, the temple and the god can't take care of itself, so we have to take care of it. Oh, no, 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 you can't take all that treasure because because the world will end if you take all of that treasure that we also like own technically because we own the temple. Oh, you're going to love what's coming up next. Oh, boy. Bring it on. So here's another really beautiful like plan they came up with. The temple's highest grade of priests all got together and they devised a plan to officially ask Lord Vishnu himself if he was okay with this vault exploration plan. What did he say? <laughs> they chose a young boy they found in the temple one day. Oh, another boy? Boy god? No, 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 not a boy god. But they declared him the conduit for the Lord's messages. Okay. The boy was to place sacred conch shells into a chart that was drawn by the priests mm -hmm. on the floor. Once he placed all the shells, the priests would then decipher it according to Hindu astrology or whatever mambo-jumbo nonsense they came up with at that minute. Okay. <laughs> what do you think Lord Vishnu said, Alex? Don't touch my shit, guys. <laughs> $500 for the correct answer to tonight's contestant, Alex. <laughs> Yep, 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 yep. The Lord was not feeling it that day. The priests sent all this evidence to the courts and made it very publicly known that Vault B is dangerous and should not be open. Thus was the word of Lord Vishnu. I mean, it'd be cool if it were true. I, I want more things to be cursed and haunted in the world. Just add a little spice. What's interesting to me is that stuff like this influences decisions in courts people believe it and they're like yes yeah that's right the lord told us so we ain't opening it i'm not superstitious but i am a little stitious that's a michael <laughs> j scott quote for y'all <laughs> love it so nothing happened wow Faultby was left alone the court case raged on for years years okay this was 2011 when they opened chamber a Seems like a waste of time. There was a change in government. Okay. Power shifted. Yeah. And the case was finally concluded in July of 2020. Oh, not too long ago. It only took, I don't know what, 10 years. How did the chips fall? The court now sided with the defendant, the royals. Oh, surprise. <laughs> the temple will no longer be run by the state government. Right? That was the proposal that was put forth in the last court case in 2011, that it should be run by the state government with some control and supervision. And so the case, as it ended, says that it will not be meddled with by the state government. Okay. And the control and supervision of temple activities and assets will be overseen by an executive appointed by the Travancore royal family. So it went back into their hands. So just to circle back around like why this was disputed. It's because the public, like these people who are more concerned about maybe the public good of India didn't want this like royal ancient family to be hoarding the wealth, essentially. It seems like it. That's what it seems like. Yeah. Did this money really belong to the king and his family? I don't know. Because a lot of that wealth would have been used in the governance of his kingdom. I mean, it's probably tax money, right? Yes, it's tax money. It's stuff that they conquered, invaded surrounding kingdoms when they had their own battles 
Yeah. All the spoils. It's blood money and tax money. Yeah. I mean, like the royals, that's all the, you know, 1% wealth comes off of the like blood, sweat, tears off the backs of people. Oh, look at me Mm -hmm. taking a social stance (laughs) because I know so much. (laughs) It's not their personal private safety deposit box. It would have been used to govern the town to help the people and activities of the temple, whatever, arrange things, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, they're not really doing that because it's just sitting under there. Someone's just stealing shit. Like little by little, buying new shoes. Bit by bit. Airplanes. Mm-hmm. And shit. Because if it was being used for official temple-related activities, there would be a record of it. Yeah. If they're like, hey, we need to hold this huge festival to celebrate Lord Padmanabha Swami and, you know, feed the whole town, build a new hospital, whatever, they would have records of it. If that wealth could be turned into like infrastructural development in India, like that could change the whole country. Yeah, but some would argue, why should it go to India, right? It's part of that state, part of that local region. And that's one of the fears. When I watched a couple of YouTube videos of people, journalists asking the local public about their opinion, what they think should happen to that hidden treasure, they want it to stay in the temple. They want the royal family to have control over it because they don't trust the central government whatsoever. And I don't blame them. I mean, politics in India is garbage. (sighs) Most of the politicians are freaking thieves. Mm -hmm. They have criminal records and they're just there to line their pockets with public money. That's kind of why this whole time you've been telling the story, I'm sort of like, why don't we just leave it there? Why don't we like actually seal it off? Seal it off. I'm all for it. I have no personal problems with this Travancore royal family. Vishnu! If they've done a decent job of maintaining the temple and serving the devotees let the treasure be where it is it's it's lasted thousands of years let it last another thousand years because the minute it goes into the hands of the government it's gone it's vanished i wonder like how this little boy conduit felt like did he have any idea what was going on or was someone like here kid throw these shells and he's like okay (laughs) cool game time like here boy throw these shells into that corner you'll get a laddu you'll get a laddu for it yeah so yeah, personally, I have no problems with it. They can do whatever they want with it. I, I mean, I don't live there. It doesn't affect me. As long as it doesn't go to any more colonial white devils. They have enough. You have enough. You don't yes. need more. Yeah. Okay, so you want to talk about some of the crazy rumors around this temple and the wall? Yeah. yeah. This is the kind of bullshit that I found on the internet on forums like Quora, which is the new Yahoo Answers. Yeah. Remember Yahoo Answers? <laughs> right. Where people would ask stupid shit and other stupid people would give them even stupider answers. So Quora is the new Yahoo Answers. And I found awesome. a bunch of this info there. Well, I well I wouldn't term it info, but... Finformation. Misinformation, probably. Okay. Rumor one. There are two giant cobras carved into or around the third sealed door in Vault B. And these two giant cobras apparently are trying to tell you, don't come in here. There's tons of cobras. It's cursed. Negative force behind these doors. Don't open it. That's one of the rumors. Probably started by people who don't want the vault open. Rumor two. Priests tried opening the vault's Years ago, like 50, 60, 100 years ago, but retreated after they heard waves, ocean waves crashing on the other side of the door, which leads to rumor number three, that there is a tunnel 
to the ocean on the other side, which will flood the temple and the town if opened. Wow, that's cool. Now, I measured as the crow flies from the temple to the ocean. It's around 1.8 miles. So it's not that long. It's possible they made a secret tunnel. Yeah, I want it to be true. Next rumor. The iron door is sealed shut by ancient chants called Nagabandam or Cobra holds and require an opposing Garuda mantra to release those holes. This is so Naruto. Wow. Um. Next rumor. There is a UFO in there. This is my favorite one. <laughs> just, just trapped. <laughs> just chilling. Just trapped. Just, yeah, just sitting in there. This doesn't come out of nowhere. There are stories of ancient Vimanas or UFOs in Indian mythology right. all over our stories. Tons of them. So there's yeah. a rumor that there's a Vimana in Vault B, which is why if you open it, it'll destroy the world. Whatever. It may be radioactive. Who knows? <laughs> Love it. And this is the only reason I might be like, open the vaults. I don't care about gold and diamonds. I don't care. Let it stay. But if there's a UFO... Open the damn vaults, Travancore family. It's little gray fingers creeping around the, like, crack. It's just, like, wearing a bunch of jewelry. It would totally be the <laughs> alien from American Dad, just, like, fully dressed yes. up in, like, a sari with a big head. and <laughs> Like, huge earrings hanging. Drinking a martini. <laughs> oh, my God. With a crown and using the bow and arrow, like, hi. I've been waiting a long time. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, well, that was it. Our tale of Vault B in the Padmanabha Swami Temple. I hope the listeners enjoyed it. It was not true crime, just something I found intriguing, yeah. mysterious, you know? Spookies. Yeah, relics from an ancient era, which we don't really hear about that often. So I thought it was interesting. Uh, thoughts, Alex? Um... I'm just thinking about, I, I don't actually know if I got to go into that temple because I remember I was with a French guy. You remember mm -hmm. Guillaume, my friend. Yes. Um, so mm -hmm. like he was definitely not allowed in and I probably didn't have a sari with me. So maybe I was and I didn't even know if they would let me in. Am I Indian enough to go into a temple like that? I remember your mom said they did not let you go in. <laughs> so... Nope, you did not go in. Yeah, I think because they suspected you were not a practicing Hindu, yeah. they, they just said no. That's what your mom and told me. I, so. I definitely didn't have the right clothes, I think. Um, like maybe I was wearing a kurta or something. Mm. Um, but I've been to a lot of other ancient temples like in Angkor Wat and in Thailand. And I think even in India, I've been to some other ones around. There's and so many. The air is different. It's like very charged usually. Mm -hmm. They're cool. I want to hear a podcast about temples and like temple here histories and mythologies. And yes, I just that stuff is so cool. And they're cool origin stories. They're just so freaking out of this world. Like the best sci-fi fantasy you've ever heard. Yeah. Of, really. Yeah. There are so many ancient temples all over India. And that's like one of my dreams like distant dreams i just want to tour all these old temples and feel their vibes yeah. and their vibrations yeah. and the energy in there because even though i don't really believe in rituals there is something to be said about the energy in totally. these spots because 
people go there with a purpose. They go there with focus and concentration and kind of unload out there yeah. and usually positive. So yeah, I, I, I believe in at least that part of it. There is some energy in yeah. there that I want to go and kind of tap into. Totally. Yeah, maybe I'll find another mysterious temple to talk about in another episode sometime. But for now, this one was pretty cool. And uh, Travancore Royal Family, if you're listening, don't come for us. I know you're freaking rich now after this Vault B was opened. It turns out we're on your side, kind of. We have nothing against you. Whatever you did, you were defending, uh, you know, your temple, your lord's uh, bounty. And, you know, good for you. <laughs> we have no claim. We stake no claim. Just like, don't dip into the pot too much. Make it last. Yeah, yeah. Don't buy that second Rolls Royce. One's okay. Yeah. Two's too much. And like, maybe, okay. you know, throw a little <laughs> into some community activity. And they probably do. They probably do. Um, Kerala is actually very well developed for a state. Yeah. They have like, I think, almost 100% literacy. Mm -hmm. All their kids go to school. So they're not doing too bad. That's awesome. Yep. Keep doing what you're doing, Kerala. I'm pretty sure coconut is just good for the brain. Oh, have you seen the hair? Oh, yeah. Good hair. The most beautiful hair. Ugh. People of Kerala, they've got the most beautiful hair. Like, got some beautiful People should go play Uncharted 4 specifically because it's about like temple ruins in India mm -hmm. and the main characters are two brown women, which to me is like a representation in gaming that I don't think you see too often. And I really liked it. I thought it was awesome. Uncharted 4 was freaking amazing. I had it as my wallpaper for the longest time. Yeah. And I had so much fun climbing over the tummy of Ganpati in, in that game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Rock climbing over Ganpati's tummy. It's got a tummy. lot of cool puzzles and the, the yeah. like temples that they created are just so epic and cool. Yeah, it was really fun. And that Kali, remember that Kali statue with the 10 arms and you had to move yeah. the arms to open up the secret yeah. passage? Go watch YouTube videos of it if you don't game. It's still it's still good mm -hmm. enough to watch. Totally. Um, all right, you ready for Bollywood Corner? Yeah, there's got to be some good stuff on this subject, some temple. I was puzzled because last few times we've had like, you know, esoteric subjects. I was struggling to find movies to match it. And even this time, I was like, damn it, I can't think of any like Indiana Jones-esque type movie that I could recommend. And my husband totally pranked me. He baited me into watching this horrible dumpster <laughs> fire of... A shit B-movie from the 80s. Oh, my God. Awesome. <laughs> it's called Zalzala. Okay. Please, nobody watch this garbage Sounds movie. Zesty. It had maybe 10 minutes at the very end. Had some adventure and treasure-seeking activity. The rest of it was just women dancing for gangsters, people shooting each other, cops and robbers, and just nonsense. Okay. This movie is terrible. Don't watch it. But at the end, it's pretty cool. They find this temple of gold and there's a Shivalinga in there that rises up, levitates up like a UFO. Oh, damn. And the third eye of the Shiva opens up and shoots lasers at the bad Isn't guy. Isn't a Linga like supposed to be, it's like Ooh. a phallic thing? A lot of people don't think so. They don't consider it. I think it is. It's a form of... Um, Virility, right? Yes. That's yeah. how I... Um, I, mean, I don't know what's wrong with it. Get over your uh, prudish senses, people. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so for Bollywood Corner today, like I said, my husband baited me into watching that garbage movie. <laughs> <laughs> then he recommended this movie, which we've watched a few years ago. And this is really good. It's called Tumbar. Tumbar. It is a supernatural horror movie from 2018. 
Cool. Ooh. This fictional tale centers around a man called Vinayak, who had a difficult childhood. He was very poor. His mother served a wretched old man who lived in a mansion to make ends meet. And she took care of the house, the food, and also other needs, if you know what mm-hmm. I mean, just to make ends meet. And it all boils down to a supernatural golem-type creature that lived under that old man's mansion. Okay. And that creature carried an endless supply of gold coins in his waistband, okay? He had a little purse, a coin purse. It was full of, like, eternal gold coins would be pouring out of it. A little Rumpelstiltskin guy. Yes, kind of. And Vinayak learns to steal these gold coins using trickery. So when he grows up, he gets married. He has a son of his own. He brings his son there to teach him how to do that. But things don't go as planned. Uh Yep. Okay. It's a very dark, scary, atmospheric movie with a lot of elements of daisy superstition and witchcraft and all that jazz. So give it a watch if you enjoy those kind of movies. You know what is it called? Tan Tanbur Tum Tumbar 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 is the name of that village where the boys grew up. Okay, Tumbar. I'm gonna check that out. That sounds right up my alley. And then make sure to check under your bed at night. Oh no. Okay. Maybe I won't. <laughs> I think this movie is streaming on Prime. Okay. At least for cool. now. Let's just see if it's available in Europe. That's it. That's the one movie. I didn't want to like recommend two lay movies. I thought I'll just do one awesome. good one. Yeah. So that's it. Oh, the second thing I may want to recommend is just for fun. It is not at all related to anything you've heard in this episode today. But... It's just funny, and sometimes you need a laugh to, you know, add a little joy to your life. There's this show which you can probably only find on YouTube now because it's from the 80s or early 90s. It's called Goodness Gracious Me. (laughs) This was a BBC show (laughs) back in the day. It's a sketch comedy show, but all the characters in it are British Indians, so Indian origin families that now live in the uk and their sketches are hilarious they're just so so good funny i showed alex one sketch just before we recorded i'm living for it i love that that exists thank you one of the ones that i love is this old indian dad in uk who just points to everything he sees and says oh that's indian (laughs) and this happens a lot in real life a lot of indians (laughs) like to just claim things as indian oh that's indian we invented that, right. you know, that's ours. <laughs> I totally relate to that sketch. I mean, I might start doing that in real life now. Like any point to anything. That's Indian. That's Indian. We got pepper. That we know. <laughs> this podcast is a big proponent. India owns pepper. Yeah. You want to tell people to do the stuff, Alex? My peeps. Um, check out the website. Mm-hmm. Crimes from the East and our social handles by the same name on Instagrams and uh, join our Patreon if you would like to support what we're up to and rate, subscribe, comment, review, review, like tell us what you think um, and send us your attempts and your counts of the temple name. <laughs> Show us what you got. Send me how many times I say the word Padmanabha <laughs> in this episode. Whatever you counted, add one because I just said it again. Yeah. That was our episode for today. 
let us know what you thought about it. Okay. Have you been to this temple? Are you going to try to break in and open Vault B? <laughs> Get some of that cash. Call me. I will do nothing for you, but I do want to see the video if you do break in. <laughs> Stay away from the cobras. There are lots of cobras in there. You can join us again in a couple weeks for another episode of Crimes from the East. Your Desi True Crime Podcast with a little masala, masala. and spice. spice. Namaste. Namaste. Bye.